Okay, so we're back. We're back with the Neighbour Food Podcast. And last week we heard from Richard Mee. He is the head gardener at GIY Grow It Yourself. And it was all about setting up your own market garden. And he gave us some fabulous tips and answered some of the questions about how to go about it from scratch. I found it informative. Um, did you, Jack? I did. Super informative, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So if you want to build a foundation of knowledge on what you need to know in order to start a market garden, then start with that podcast. But this week, and continuing on in the theme, we thought we might chat to someone who did this exact thing, took the leap, and has gone away and done just that. So bear in mind, this was in haste, almost by accident, just as the pandemic kicked in and his business and income plans for the next year disintegrated in a matter of weeks. Mm. Now, this is a similar story. It has happened to many of our friends and colleagues. But to be fair, the resourcefulness and ingenuity that was shown during this time really was spectacular. Yeah, I agree. And one of these people is Eric Johansson and his wife, Katrina, who run Cuskinny Court near Cove in County Cork. It's an old historic property. Uh, we've been running this business here for now about 10 years. Yes, their business at the time, and still is, I guess, concentrated around outdoor group activities, camps for kids and adults. Yeah, they do lots of cool things like... Um, bushcraft, um, campfire cooking, grass sledging, rock climbing, zipline forest courses, all stuff, all kinds of fun stuff. So it's just basically, it's very low-tech, just getting kids back to nature out having fun. But they don't stop there because they also do events at Halloween and Christmas. Inter, uh, an immersive theatrical experience called the Cork North Pole Outpost Experience. It's been a mouthful, but uh, it's basically a kind of a theatrical visit to Santa. And much more. You know, company, family days and things like that, and scout camps and various other things as well. And all of this was absolutely flourishing at the time. You know, it's nice to, you know, we always said when we came down here, what we wanted to do was just create. We wanted to make it open to people and group and just to have people come here and enjoy it, really. And, and um, you know, just have fun, really. You know, so that's kind of what we're about. So the space that these guys are working from is a historic country house. It's surrounded by woodlands with an old wall garden that hadn't been used for growing. In fact, it was more archery and kids' activities in this wall garden than raised beds and the growing of a couple of pumpkins at Halloween. Yeah, and Eric and Katrina had always been drawn to nature and the outdoors. Yeah, big time. Um, I grew up in the 80s, so <laughs> we didn't have much choice. <laughs> nothing else to do. Um, yeah, I was always we outside. We played conquerors against each other in our youth, did we? We probably did, yeah, because uh, yeah, I grew up in, in Crosshaven. And so it just seemed to make sense to build their business around these skills and interests. It kind of happened very organically. We didn't really intend to do any of this. It just sort of happened, you know, we tried think we just tried different things and anything that worked, we kind of stuck with it. And, you know, we've made a lot of mistakes too over the years, but, you know, we've, we're, we're still here. But as we've said, the pandemic struck. These guys had to move quickly and being resourceful, took to gardening and growing their own. Here's the story of Eric's first-hand experience with starting what is now a productive and profitable market garden. So what is a market garden, really? I mean, I I, I actually kind of, I like the, the, the reason I kind of called myself or called our little operation Cuskinny Market Garden is, you know, I quite liked the, the kind of concept of a market garden. Um, and the name comes from the sort of historical use of the word garden. Uh, a garden was originally, you know, where you grew your food. So every house had a garden. It wasn't, you know, a lawn with B&Q furniture and a barbecue. A lawn, a, a garden was where you where you grew your food. 
And if you had a larger area, you know, you would grow your food for your house and you would sell the excess at market. So you would go once a week to your local farmer's market or market in the town mm. and you'd, you'd sell your excess. And then you'd use that money to buy, to supplement your diet with other stuff. So it was kind of a way of, 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 of just really supplementing your kind of your, your income. Um, and I kind of liked that idea of, you know, having this garden that not, not only produces for you and your house, but also, you know, you get to make some money at the side as well from it. So I think that's really mm. the, the kind of concept, the idea of a market garden is just this kind of small uh, operation that kind of just works again. It, and again, it was just to have something that worked with our business and our busy lives and our schedule mm. and, you know, th- things that we already have going on. So it had to work within broader business and our busy lives. So, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. Um, it's and not what that... does your market garden look like? It's in a walled garden, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so the garden, it was, like, it's incredible the, what, what, it, what is actually here. I mean, that it's a beautiful walled garden. I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's a beautiful place. It's a beautiful space. So it is, I mean, it makes total sense for this to be happening there. Um, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's with two polytunnels and about um, 30 odd beds on the go at the moment which we're kind of increasing probably by butter by again probably the same amount again this year we're going to put in uh the same amount again so we should be that could put us up to about 60 beds in various mixed Jeez, so it's quite so. an operation Who, who's <clears throat> so who's helping you out with it now eric is it just yourself and katrina or have you anyone else who's kind of with yeah you no now? we do have um we've well graham who always worked with us um he um he um yeah he's taken a huge interest in the garden as well he loves growing so he's kind of working with me as well graham works here anyway but so we've kind of split his time now between working in the garden and you know other work around here and then um tara um who's also a producer on neighbor food um tara zulaga dorgan mm-hmm. she uh is um she's she's from she's from the states and she has a huge background in permaculture and things like that so she just um took an interest in what we we're doing here and yeah she we just basically she, she, she said she'd love to help to, to help out so she's she's working for us now as well so i have two people kind of part-time um myself and the rest and the family here <laughs> you know uh so whoever can muck mm. in yeah they're um, all involved yeah yeah everyone everyone mucks in a little bit We don't really like to talk about the pandemic too much on the podcast, but I do think it's kind of an integral part of the story that we're talking about today. So can you take us back a small bit to the beginning of the pandemic from the point of view of your business? Because essentially you were gathering big groups, particularly schools, into your space. And now that's all gone. So you're looking at reshaping it. You're looking at what are you going to do next? So where was the thought process for for the market garden? Well... So at the, so going back to March 2020 with February 2020, you know, we were kind of gearing up to probably our busiest season yet. I mean, the, we were booked out for that summer. Um, and, you know, like it just came out of the blue. 
the, the, the lockdown there. I mean, I, I think I suppose everyone was in the same boat. It just happened. And all of a sudden, um, we didn't really know where we were. We were just um, kind of kind of trying to figure it out. And, you know, it's kind of maybe two weeks passed. And then, you know, we were kind of wondering, was this, is this going to be a thing that blows over in a month or, or what? But, mm. um, you know, it, it started becoming clearer and clearer that this was not something that was going to be over quickly. And, you know, once the phone started ringing with cancellation after cancellation, the email started coming in cancellation after cancellation, you know, you know, our summer just disappeared, our summer season. So that was literally our, mm. our livelihoods wiped out for that period. And then, you know, again, as we learned more and more about what was going on, it became more and more apparent that it was very likely that, you know, our Christmas business would be compromised too. So that then would, I mean, effectively, I mean, we have, you know, those, those are our two core businesses. So without them, we, we don't really have a business. Um, so, mm. and then, you know, I suppose the way our business works is, you know, one, like the summer season catapults us, you know, kind of brings us to the Christmas season, you know, kind of gets us through, you know, I mean, that was the whole reason for the Christmas business was, you know, we needed something to get us through the winter. So, I mean, without that business, then you've nothing to get you to the spring. So we kind of need those leaps sort of things to springboard springboard us you know um we're, we're a bit like farmers in that we you know we have kind of like harvest seasons you know the way but we um yeah so we had to so it, we were then looking at like okay this is now march 2020 it's it's very likely that we won't have any like return to normality till summer 2021 which was which is pretty mm. which, which nearly 18 months really from from christmas of 2019 which was when mm. we kind of last had any significant business so we were kind of staring into this dark abyss of nothing really you know and it was, it was quite scary yeah. so we just had to kind of be realistic and kind of um make some decisions and tough decisions so i mean first of all we just had to kind of cut all spending really you know and we just had to pair everything back and and then just look what what can we do so we kind of just went back to basics really and said said look what what like and we actually went back to our original plan that we had done with CCAT and in there in that original business plan for the place there was a section on the market garden and there was pictures in there of of, you know we'd kind of done this visual mood board and you know when we kind of looked at it it was just lovely pictures of you know people digging and of that you know and you know the the garden was always kind of on, on the back burner you know it was something we used we kind of you know we used for our halloween events we used to grow pumpkins mm. and you know we always kind of had a bit going on up there but you know we we used the gardens up the wall gardens for archery and things like that in the activity season but you know in terms of it actually being a proper working garden it was always something we wanted to do but for the never just never we we're just too busy and we didn't really know how it would work kind of from a business point of view as well because you know we were not you know i'm i'm a hobby gardener i'm not a I'm not a horticulturist or I've no background in it. And so it was just um, really just um, trying to see how could this work from a financial point of view. But, and you know, were we you growing said, vegetables for yourself? Yeah, just for consume, ourselves. Or was, were you actually selling or were you growing at this point to sell? Oh, no, we weren't growing to sell at all. We were just, uh, you know, again, the only yeah. kind of semi-commercial production we were doing was growing pumpkins for Halloween. That was like that was nothing yes. really, you okay. know. Uh, but um, so 
we just said, you know what, we've nothing to lose here. Let's just uh, let's just <laughs> have a go with this, you know. And I um, um, so just I ordered a ton of seeds and tried to. I mean, it was hard. I remember thinking back to it; it was really hard to actually get stuff, like because there was just yeah. You know, the, you and the whole nation were looking for seeds. Yeah, so you know we were to be quite resourceful, but I managed to get a, get a, get enough. To, and every windowsill here was I didn't even have a greenhouse, you know, to start seeds you know, in March. So I was using every windowsill in the house. <laughs> you know, there was just seed trays everywhere. Um, mm. And you know, I we didn't again. We had to figure out how. Why did, I still didn't know how we were going to make this work as a business. You know, it was just, but like you know, we just mm. needed to do something just to keep a focus and just to. Um, I suppose um, create. We just needed to keep going. Getting stuck into like the starting the market garden, I think it's an intimidating thing for people to think about. And mm-hmm. we have seen a lot of people jump into it in the last two years. And I'm super fascinated because mm-hmm. I've never done that. I really, really want to. I've never had a piece of land to do it. Mm-hmm. Recently, we were chatting to Dr. Colin Sage where you can actually approach your local councillor and ask for a piece of land to be able to do this. And it is provided to you, which is kind of incredible. So we're encouraging people if they're interested to do that. Can you talk us through the process as someone with zero horticultural training or background or understanding like how mm-hmm. did you approach that you talk about buying seeds but there was a lot more to it as well did yeah. you read books did you yes i mean i had always had an interest in it and i had a, you know i had a pile of books that i was kind of always kind of reading and and you know it was, you know it would be always something i i'd i'd have i'd have been watching you know any time i spot something on on you know on youtube or whatever you know i'd I'd watch it so i mean i I was always kind of interested in it and i think particularly what really kind of piqued my interest was um a book i had read called the market gardener funnily enough um by an author called Mm -hmm. jm uh, jean martin fortier he's in quebec and you know he he's um his book was very interesting because again it was it was small-scale farming at a commercial level and actually you know how to make how to do this um and make money so i mean that mm-hmm. I, i'd never kind of see you know you'd see lots of um people doing this but it always seemed to be more hobby people just buying growing food for their own kitchen or whatever there, there, there's there was very few um there's very little information out there on people doing it at a small scale but actually you know and, and not so you know and not doing it huge that kind of kind of appealed to me because I was going well okay we can only do it at a small scale you know so um and then you know that led to you know uh, the, the other you know looking at other methods like the um you know the no dig movement as well Charles Dowding mm-hmm. and um Richard Perkins as well you know a lot um kind of read a lot of stuff from him um so I was there was there's actually a, a wealth of information out there and you know it started the more I kind of was looking into it the more i was realizing how many people were out there you know and there is a kind of a almost a global network of mm-hmm. of market gardens now popping up everywhere and it's it kind of made me excited as well because I, I you know i thought here's an opportunity to be part of something as well and i do did see mm-hmm. i do think it is you know i do think it is something that 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 is important as well you know i i, I you know i i think from you know from 
climate change point of view, I think, you know, I've, I do, I've always felt that we need to start looking at more localized food production and more localized food systems and building those from the ground up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they need, it needs to be lots of small people doing this, not, not, not led from above, but led from below, you know, so I do, I just thought, mm-hmm. you know, you know, if we, if I come out with nothing at the end of this pandemic, but, you know, having done something positive, that would, that would be, that would be a good thing for, for us, you know. Amazing. So you have the piece of land, right? Mm. What, what's the next step? Technically, I mean. Um, in terms of starting a garden. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the next step was, I mean, again, it's, uh, you know, you kind of do get overwhelmed with all, I mean, there's there, again, there's so much information out there, how to do this. There's so many differing opinions, you know, uh, from, you know, and, um, so, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, um, but I mean, essentially you, you have to prepare beds, um, Mm -hmm. and get your soil, um, get your soil up to up to speed and you need you need a place to did you test your, did you test the ph of your soil i did not <laughs> i'm not that fancy at all jack <laughs> no so, okay so you, you just dived in when you said you got your soil up to scratch what do you mean you mean compost Lays yeah compost. just compost i mean i again it was hard to get stuff so i mean i you know again i just um i was down up the woods digging up you know, buckets of leaf mold. I was down on the beach getting uh, seaweed. I was going up to the horse school, getting wheelbarrows or getting trailer loads of manure. So I was basically just, I, I mean, I don't know. I was um, doing a bit of everything really and seeing what worked, um, you know. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I didn't really approach it with a scientific <laughs> method. It was just, but uh, it was really just to try it and see um, approach. And some, you know, I made made a lot of mistakes, like but uh, but uh, you know, obviously, I I had some successes too. So, um, but I think that's the thing about about starting a garden is is it's you know, you know you have to go in, um, you have to go in with a with, with a learning approach. You have to you you really have to mm. kind of get to know your 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 land and your garden, and you have to kind of listen to it and see what it's telling you to do because, um every piece of land is totally different. Um, and that's what I kind yeah. of learned in talking to other growers, you know, and you, that's the other thing I think it is, it's really important to just go see others, what other people are doing and, and get, and talk because they're just, they're, 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 well, there's loads of books. You can read as many books as you want. And, you know, your little piece of land is its own kind of, it's its own little world. It's its own climate. It has its own quirks. It has its own um, mm. biodiversity. It has its own things grow living there that you know don't necessarily live on other places. So you really just have to f- figure it out. Mm. And the only way to do that is to just start growing and seeing what what works and what doesn't. Start growing, seeing what. Yeah, I, mm. I was gonna, I was gonna ask like if you if all this happened at the start of the pandemic and we couldn't mm. even go beyond five kilometers of our house. Mm. Are you only relying on books at this point or are you kind of like, uh, were you part of some online groups that helped you or how, how did you gather all that knowledge? Like, Oh, I was like this little kind of monk hermit up there just on my own, <laughs> you know, just, uh, I, I wasn't really, I, you know, um, for the first month, certainly I was, um, I was, yeah, just books and online and, um, it was really only, um, kind of when it started, 
uh, developing a little later on that I started actually getting some proper advice really you know I'm sorry you know actually because okay. because it was hard at the start just yeah I mean you couldn't go anywhere and it was you know it was quite quite uh, quite difficult you know sure. but yeah yeah but I mean at least I just got it started I got you know I I did have some basic knowledge I mean I knew how to grow lettuce I knew how to grow you know certain things mm-hmm. that I have always done but it was just a matter of scaling that up you know so I kind of knew yeah I kind of had some basics in terms of what I knew definitely would grow up there. And I, like I knew, I knew courgettes would definitely, would definitely be a, a runner. I knew beetroot would definitely be a runner. And I knew, knew peas would definitely be a runner. You know, all the things that I knew stuff wasn't going to eat. <laughs> mm. Mm. And uh, how do you find the community of growers? Cause I remember you telling me that you spoke and you visited some people can you talk a little bit about the experience of, of that, getting help from from others? Yeah, well, um, I think that really kicked off when we joined Neighbor Food and we started meeting, you know, particularly other producers um, and um, in particular, Paddy Frankel from Kilbrack Farm became a real mentor to me. You know, he was he was super, you know, he, he was full of advice and really excited as well, really encouraging. You know, I think, he, again, when I think... It's what's lovely to find is that, you know, even though um, these other growers are technically your kind of competition and you're could potentially be a competition to them. And in fact, I don't really see myself as competition to any of them, but, you know, uh, but, you know, it's not just not like that. It's just really, uh, you know, it's a real nurturing community you know, people really open with, with sharing advice and, and help. And like Paddy would always answer the phone to me with questions, you know, which was really cool. Can I ask, so you, you talked about beetroot, beans, whatever. How many crops did you have last summer, let's say? Well, last summer? Oof, jeepers. Um, mm-hmm. You have to count them. Um, I'll just start listing them, will I? <laughs> Go on. I, yeah. Go on, uh, so yeah. So we. So our main ones are mixed salad leaves would be our kind of biggest one, um, and we do um, also mixed Asian salad leaves as well. Um, then we do carrots, beetroot, and potatoes. We did last year actually. That was um, the first for us. We did. Yeah. Um, that was actually Katrina, my wife's big project. She was uh, she was determined to do potatoes. I was reluctant, but yeah, we did them, and they were great. And <laughs> then um, tomatoes uh, in the polytunnel, and tomatoes, cucumbers, peppers. Um, what else? Um, it'll come to me, but um, that's pretty much. Oh, rainbow chard, yeah, um, yeah, and then a lot of stuff that. Gets it that um, kind of is that digging. Katrina in the background? Prompting. Yes, it is. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Katrina, no, what no it, cheating, what no grow? cheating. <laughs> oh, yeah, she's just giving me a list. Yeah, but oh, yeah, so courgettes was a big thing as well. Yeah, I love, I, I actually particularly love growing things that kind of are colorful, you know, because I think, um, yeah, 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 it's uh, oh, yeah, we did leeks and celery as well. I've completely forgotten. Yeah, yeah, um, that's that's a dozen different crops that you've grown already. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's amazing. amazing. Yeah. We also grew a lot of stuff that didn't take as well. Like um, we did tried broccoli, cauliflower. 
and uh, cabbage just all got demolished by various insects and caterpillars and slugs so and pigeons so we um yeah we had a few failures this year too but all in all actually it was a good year it was a crazy year for growing last year because the um it was a really cold spring um mm. and uh everything went a bit mental at the start but it um kind of panned out with a good good enough growing season in the summer yeah. but um yeah and Tell me now, right, so I'm not a gardener. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about gardening, really. But if I was to to start and follow down your path, what what should I get? So I have the, the land, as we've discussed. We've got the seeds. We've got the bed. Do I need any special equipment or do I just need my hands to go digging? Um, what happens well, you, next? Well, you need... I wouldn't be digging with your hands now, Jolene. <laughs> yeah. Well, we... <laughs> Your first, that's your first mistake. With then. my hands, yeah. So, apparently, it's no dig gardens now. Is all no, the rage. Yeah, the no dig thing was something I was kind of skeptical of at the start about um, because I, 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 I just didn't. I think the name of it kind of annoyed me because I was like, it's not no dig. There's still digging involved, but um, I, uh, I. I, I was just wasn't sure about it because again I you know I had my rotavator and I was you know that's easy because you just plow over the the ground and it's you know it's 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 quick and easy and this kind of idea of kind of lugging lots of compost and you know do, so it it, it 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 kind of struck me as a quite a labor intensive method at the start but we kind of the more I kind of learned about it um, I kind of got converted so we did. Um, so last year we moved over to to no dig the no dig system, which is basically um, you don't turn your ground. You, you're basically building up your soil. So it does involve bringing in a lot of compost, um, whether you make it yourself or you buy it in. We we had to buy it in, um, but um, it it does uh, hugely help in terms of weed pressure. You know we found. It was a game changer. Just in the time spent weeding was just drastically reduced, and also just the, the amount of watering was far reduced as well. So it is a great system, and I I would I would recommend anyone who is looking at doing. But I, I mean, you just do need to bear in mind that it is there is a big outlay involved in terms. Of you do have to you do need to bring in a lot of of of, of organic compost. You know. And um, can I can I ask a technical one here? The the cost of starting a market garden. Do you think that it would be possible to start a market garden, grow? Obviously, there's a little bit of getting it set up that that, mm-hmm. that takes investment with absolutely no return. But w- yeah. w- once you're kind of up and running, like year year on year with the market garden, excluding time that's going into it, mm-hmm. would you say that the cost that goes into it each year is saved in the cost of feeding yourself those vegetables at home? And the little bit you can sell on the side to some neighbors and stuff. Yeah, I do. I think it's. Uh, I mean, it's 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 um, the the initial outlay. I think. I mean, really, it's it's. You can, I mean, you can spend a lot of money on this if you want. I mean, you can. Mm. Um, but you know, if you, I certainly didn't. I, um, you know, I definitely started on an absolute shoestring. Um, probably the most expensive thing I bought at the start was a polytunnel. Um, um, mm-hmm. and compost, really, you know, but and uh, but I mean, seed isn't, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, the seed outlay wasn't horrendous. I mean, and we had, I mean, in terms of, I mean, you can definitely start on with a basic s- selection of tools, you know, a, a, you know, a fork, spade, trowel, 
um, you know, um, seed trays, you probably need, um, need a lot of seed trays as well. They can be expensive, especially if you're, if you, if you, if you need, because you do need quite a lot of them. And, but a, one clever little tool you can get is called a soil blocker. It's something we got last year. They're great because, um, they basically make these little, um, little kind of oxo cubes little big oxo cubes of, of soil they kind of compact the soil into little units with a little hole in them mm-hmm. and you can just pop a seed into them and you mm-hmm. can um, and they're great because the there's very little root damage when you when you transplant them into the ground so um, soil blockers are actually great because you can you don't really need to invest in a huge amount of seed trays you can because you, you can put them into any kind of containers and but you can um you can get a, you know, those ways 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 around spending lots of money basically but um mm. But I mean, look, there's plenty of people willing to take your money if you want to spend money on fancy tools and set up. And I mean, <laughs> no, but I think that's good because I, yeah, I do think there's a lot of people who look out into their garden or a little bit of land they have and they're like, oh, I'd love to kind of do it and I have the time, but I just the cost of a polytunnel and the cost of yeah. the compost and stuff like that. But what we're hearing can be overwhelming really like can be overwhelming yeah i don't yeah i mean it's it's more time really than anything i think you know i think again i mean we've we've from a business point of view i would say the outlays are 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 low um in terms of starting a something that Mm -hmm. actually is is generating a a return um pretty quickly um so i mean it's just not a huge return but it is a return nonetheless so it is it is definitely Mm-hmm. as a small thing a small business especially a side business like we're running it it's it is definitely something that's viable uh would you recommend it ah uh, yeah it's just added a lovely sort of niceness to our lives really you know it is a very um it's a very i think it's just a lovely thing to do uh it's very positive um and you know we had a um you know i think when we always you know it's kind of almost a reward to go up there to, to do whatever, you know, whatever else is we're mm. doing here, you know, it's, Oh God, I can't wait to, you know, I kind of, it's lovely to break up the day by maybe doing two hours in the garden in the morning and, you know, then maybe two hours in the evening. So it's just, it, it breaks up things. It makes, just makes everything a bit more enjoyable and interesting. It's not always good too. I mean, it's, it can be hard. It's, it's, it is hard work at the end of the day, but you know, it is enjoyable. <laughs> What was the first thing that you that you grew that was successful? Can you remember the first thing that you harvested from the garden? Pumpkins. Oh, no. Oh, well, um, radishes. No, I'm talking about the market garden. Yeah, okay. radishes were actually radishes. our first crop. Yeah, yeah. Because they radishes grow. Big, <laughs> so, but it, but we, yeah, I remember we had this crop. Yeah, big basket of radishes. And we, yeah, we were chuffed. Like, it was chuffed. Like, it was, it was just, yeah, it was the first thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where do you plan on taking it, um, Eric? What's the the plan for this summer? Let's say twenty twenty two. You you mentioned that you're going to double the size of the beds. Are you going to look at supplying anybody else? Or, um, our, well, we just had a planning session there actually today, and we're really looking at how we can, um, because our business now is kind of opening up more and more. So we are kind of you know mm-hmm. groups are coming back. Um, so we really want to see how it can uh, become some a place where we can bring people and teach and they can and basically just mm. show them what we're doing and show them about composting, show them about um, about 
make growing your own food and you know so there's an educational aspect i think we're really interested mm. in developing and um yeah and um i think we want to move into more fruit production as well um because there's walls there and those walls in that garden would have originally probably had fruit growing on them so that's again it's trying to uncover mm. all this sort of lost knowledge about you know i mean it's just a lot of this information is just hard to come by and it's gone it's forgotten so mm. it's trying to try but I, 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 I that's something we really want to look at is 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 is, is growing um growing fruit on the walls you you get a lot of kids obviously who come in to do your different courses and stuff so the mm-hmm. idea is to try and expose them into the 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 market garden and trying to to invigorate let's say a little bit of appreciation and maybe ignite a little bit of love for for something like like that Do you want to hear a poem? Yeah. Yes. Okay. The carrots turned from yellow to pale. Danger, it called out to the kale. The tomato gaped in in great fear. Caution, broccoli, they are here. Mushroom whispered to the squash. Beware, for they are here to nosh. Pumpkin felt out of his hard shell. If they touch me, I will yell. Oh, horrors, said the peas. How we hate such as these. Why did the veggies begin to shout? Because the vegans were roving about. (laughs) Very good. (laughs) Written by (laughs) Jack Crotty? No, by Elton Camp. It was just a poem about a vegetable garden that popped up there a couple of days yeah, ago yeah. so I thought I'd share it with you yeah that yeah, yeah. Lovely. <laughs> hilarious right back back to business here now Eric tell me about your uncle was he a market trader or what was he uh, oh, I remember my, you showing me a photograph of your uncle in Sweden, Sweden. my great uncle he was my grandfather's brother your great uh, uncle yeah so um, yeah, my um, my grandfather was Swedish, so he left Sweden in the nineteen twenties or something like that, um, and he emigrated to America. Um, I was born in America, so um, we came here in the eighties. So I kind of had this, uh, you know, I was obviously a Swedish name, so I had I kind of had this vague notion that I had relatives in Sweden. So I kind of had, uh, I and uh, you know, it was nice. I had kind of, I, I I was just going through an old photo album over my my uh, dad's house and uh, I just uncovered this picture and it, it was just an album that said trip to Sweden in 1972 or something and my dad had gone over there and in there was this picture of this these pictures of this beautiful uh, market garden really you know it was a small just uh, um, yeah. garden so I was, I was so excited to see that you know I, I my great uncle was a was a had a little he was a grower and he, you know, he used to sell at a market in the local town. So it was, yeah, it was nice. <laughs> yeah. 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 What a, what a, what an amazing fate that you've kind of ended up doing the same thing like back here. What was yeah. his name? Fritz. Fritz. Fritz, Fritz. Johansson. Yeah. yeah. Oh, brilliant. 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 Tell us about neighbor food. What's that? How's that going for you? Yeah. So neighbor food, um, I suppose the, like the market garden kind of is what was what brought us into neighborhood really, because we, um, like I said, when, when, when the lockdown happened and we just started this, um, I had no clue how the hell were we going to sell these vegetables because there was nothing, mm. you know, there was no outlets really. So, um, I can't remember, I must've been just a Google search or something. I can't remember, but I hadn't, I was, I was definitely aware of neighborhood food, but, 
you know, I at some point I kind of revisited it and kind of looked at it. And it was only when I realized that um, not only could we sell on neighborhood, but we could also be a host for a market. And mm-hmm. it, ju- it, it all of a sudden was something that we, it was a route out of this problem that we had in that we had no business for foreseeable. So um, we, yeah, we, uh, um, but yeah, it was so exciting then because now we had a, a way of, we had a way of, um, of selling veg, but also, uh, you know, becoming a host venue meant that we, we could also have a, a, a an income as well um, from running the market, mm. you know? So and it's solved the problem of how where how are we going to sell these and you know it was a, it's I think for any small grower, neighbor food is a is a fantastic um, route to a co- way of selling to a customer. So um, because you know it's all online, and you especially for a small grower, um, uh, it really suits um, because you know you. you takes a lot of the, the 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 pressure of having to you know i mean it would be intimidating for me for instance starting out to um to do for instance a you know a, a weekly csa box or something like that because you know there is mm-hmm. pressure in that and again i needed um i needed something that long term was going to work within our business so i knew that um it had to be something that you know i could use. so for instance you know for on a neighbor food day i get up at six and harvest wash pack and you know i have everything in boxes by probably 10 or 11 and you know that's my day free then and that's work that's job done Mm. you know so it it does um so if uh, like an app for me you can work within other things going on here so um yeah and I think from the customer point of view, Cuscany Court is an absolutely amazing experience to to go pick up all your neighbor food shopping and just see the setup. And, and like you've got an amazing amount of producers as well. Yeah, well, we've you know, I think I think it was. Um, yeah, we we've really enjoyed the, the process and the journey and, you know, getting to know our um, customers and our local community. And, you know, it was really for us, it was just a, a, a very positive thing to be uh, again part of something that we felt was was um we felt quite strongly about as well you know in terms of um i've always believed we need to revisit our food systems and where our food comes from and having more of a connection with our 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 locality you know i i i was always one of these people who would get angry in this in the shops you know at the overuse of the word local and fresh with stuff that clearly wasn't local or fresh you know so i just you know for me mm-hmm. it was um it it it, it was a uh, you know i i wanted to be part of something that was from from my perspective um you know moving things in the direction that i felt they should be moving in Any standout it, moments up in the garden? Like like a, a an, an oh shit moment and an oh yes moment would be kinda would be kinda nice maybe. On a project like this, I'm sure there's loads of them. Yeah, there's a lot of oh shit moments. Um, because there's an awful <laughs> there's an awful lot of stuff that likes to eat your vegetables. 
Um, Before you do. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think that's what I was kind of touching on earlier in terms of, you know, getting to know your your garden because um, and getting to know your piece of land because, you know, I mean, you, 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 I mean, it's just it's heartbreaking when you go up there and, you know, you, you never refer to slugs or caterpillars or pigeons as as slugs, pigeons or caterpillars. They're bastard slugs and bastard caterpillars, bastard <laughs> pigeons, because you know that's what you that's what you end up shouting when you go up there, you know. And flea beetles is the other bane of my life, um, bastards flea beetles, because I I cannot for love or money grow rocket because. They just, I doesn't matter what net, netting I, I, you know, I've netting, I've everything, and no, uh, I can grow it in the winter in the polytunnel, but in the summer I cannot grow rocket. Um, so those are, yeah, there's plenty of oh shit moments. Um, the oh yes moments, I think, um, I think I, one of them was actually when um, was when Paddy Frankel came up to the garden with me the first time he had came out here and I was so excited to, to show him my garden, you know, I remember him kind of pulling a carrot out of the ground and going, wow, these are great carrots. And, you know, that to me was like, <laughs> it was like, you know, it's like the Jedi master uh, kind of giving approval. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because he, again, he has, uh, uh, you know, I think he, he, he was saying, I think he, he just can't, um, he has awful trouble with carrot root flies. Uh, or bastard carrot root flies, as he would refer to them. Um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, and you know, I think yeah. But I mean, look, I love we love any time you you go up there and you get a, a successful crop, and it's clean and it doesn't have holes in it is is a yes moment, you know. So it's um, but um, yeah, we just we but we love eating as well. We love eating the food from there. It's just delicious. So I think we've you know it's it's a it's definitely enriched our lives from just not just i mean it being a business thing it's just you get beautiful food from there you know so and you don't waste a drop either uh you no i get very like, upset like i get very upset when when i bring down food and it you know it's it's <laughs> it doesn't get eaten you know you know you, you know you, <laughs> yeah yeah and I also, um, I also now like Brussels sprouts. I never liked Brussels sprouts before, but when you grow them yourself, you kind of make yourself like things, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, how can people find out about you? Where should we direct um, listeners to, to to taste your produce or find out more about you or visit you on Neighborhood? Well, basically, we are Cuskinny Market Garden, selling on Neighborhood Cuskinny. That's pretty much where we are at the moment. Um, hopefully, we will. It'd be nice to think we would expand it to other markets, but for now we're uh, oh we do sell into we do sell salad leaves into into local restaurants, sea salt and cove as well. So um, it'd be nice to we probably would like to grow that a little bit more. I would like to see um, you know more leaves. I think it's just a nice thing. I think leaves and I think it's something I would definitely like to see from from more uh, other market growers is just more leaves being sold in the locality because i do think leaves are something that should be grown close by i think they they just they're just so much better and nicer when they're fresh you know so i think that is um where yeah, I'm and, and they're this. they're 12 months of the year and yeah. the, the imported stuff as well from, from like a commercial point of view like from food service the yeah. imported stuff is the same price it, it, yeah. There isn't a price disparity. It, you, you're dead right. There's no reason. It's a 12-month thing. Farmers can can sustain their businesses through the winter mm. with them really, really well. And it it is 
ridiculous to see re- those really bad tasteless leaves on a on a restaurant mm. plate. I completely agree with you. Yeah, and I think um especially in Cork, I mean Cork Harbor, it is we just don't get hard frosts here. You know, we mm-hmm. like you can grow here twelve months a year, no problem. I mean it's I mean it's twelve degrees mm-hmm. here today. It's first of February. It's warm. I mean it's probably add mm-hmm. another eight degrees on top of that and then that's your temperature inside the polytunnel. It's it's bammy in there. So mm-hmm. you know there's no reason mm-hmm. why um why more there should there, there should be a lot more of this going on. And I, I mean I would again love to expand into other neighborhood markets and more restaurants. It's just purely um trying to keep up with the demand I have at the moment. I mean there's just you you just can't I mean I cannot grow it fast enough. It's just it's phenomenal. So I think but I mean I think that should but I think that should inspire uh, that should inspire and I would hope it inspire other people listening to start growing particularly salad leaves. I think they're just something that you know everybody salad leaves are everywhere but they're just not from here. You know, there are they are the vast majority are imported in bags. And you know you can just taste the difference. I mean, I I remember one one day I I was um, Katrina asked me to pick up some some leaves on the way back from you know I was I was like we were having burgers or something I needed some leaves but I was actually too lazy to go to the garden to to pick them because it was lashing rain and it was dark so I actually picked up a bag of salad <laughs> leaves in the supermarket on the way home and I opened it up and I literally just threw it oh, straight. You killed you, I'd say. No, I just opened it up and I just took one look and I threw it straight in the bin and just went up, put on my raincoat, went and up you had to the garden. Had it out in the rain. I couldn't eat it. Like it was just there's just no comparison. It's it's incredible. Like um Yeah. Yeah, well, as a consumer, tasting the difference of locally grown and nutritious food is where it is at for sure. So all we need to do now is find a few more market gardeners to grow us the good stuff. And if you have been inspired by Eric's story, then please share this episode. And of course, if you want to learn more about setting up a market garden, then we highly recommend you to tune into our previous episode with Richard Mee, head gardener at GIY, which stands for Grow It Yourself. So there's lots of technical and useful information in that one. All right, guys. Well, we're done for this week. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Neighbour Food Podcast, where we aim to inform you about local Irish food stories and help us all support local growers and artisan producers around the country. Bye.